it's just really important to see the whole person, whole child, whole pupil, to see them in a way that attends to their health needs as well as sort of curriculum needs, if you like. Welcome to RSHE Ready, the podcast where we talk to the leading voices in the education sector about the game-changing introduction of the statutory RSHE requirements. And the topic for this week's episode is equalities and specifically how much of an impact the new statutory RSHE guidance could have on promoting equality in school policies and practices, both inside and outside the classroom. Uh, and very privileged to be joined by three new guests on this episode. We have Sally Thomas and Karen Chohan from the National Education Union, or NEU. Sally is Policy Specialist in Gender Equality and Child Mental Health. She's worked at the NEU for over four years now and previously held the role of Policy and Campaigns Officer at the NUS, looking at issues of equality and social justice in further and higher education. Uh, And Sally wrote a great piece for the NSPCC recently about the important role of RSE in informing and empowering young people. Uh, So I'll add the link for that into the description so you can check it out. Uh, Karen is Lead Equality Officer with a specialism in race policy and was previously a Senior Area Manager for the Workers' Educational Association, a national charity providing adult education. Also joined today by Bethan Miller. Bethan is Subject Specialist at the PSHE Association, where she delivers training and produces resources on a number of key topics. Uh, before joining the association, Bethan was PSHE lead in a school in Croydon, South London, and currently she's completing a master's level thesis on the needs of teachers in relation to teaching about domestic abuse and managing disclosures. And just a quick note to say at the beginning that uh, some of the broader societal topics that we touch on here would typically be covered as part of citizenship lessons, but RSHE does give us an opportunity to explore the personal aspects of these topics in a safe environment and as part of a whole school approach. Uh, so I hope you enjoy the episode. I'll jump straight in. So thank you all for joining me today. Great to have you here. Uh, The topic for this week's episode is equalities and specifically how much of an impact the uh, new statutory RSHE guidance could have on promoting equality in school policies and practices, both inside and outside the classroom. Uh, And to kick us off, I think it would be great, Sally, if you could give us some context on the new statutory RSHE guidance. I think colleagues will be interested uh, to know more broadly Uh, how it can support their efforts to ensure equality and challenge discrimination. Thanks, Sam. Um, Yeah, I think there's lots of topics and key issues that the new guidance explores that are really crucial for helping schools to to foster equality and and challenge prejudice and discrimination. So, for instance, uh, one of the building blocks of the new guidance is about helping children to understand what is a healthy, positive relationship whether that's a friendship, an intimate relationship, face-to-face or online. And I think that core concept or question, what is a healthy, positive, enjoyable relationship, is really central to promoting equality. It's ensuring children and people understand that everyone has a human right to be treated with dignity and respect, no matter what their identity and no matter what their background. And then, of course, Uh, The new RSE guidance also looks at issues, behaviours, attitudes that can lead to harmful and abusive relationships. 
So for instance, the guidance asks schools to teach children about different types of bullying, including cyberbullying. It also covers what a stereotype is and the harmful impact stereotypes can have. So for instance, if we think about gender stereotypes in particular, we know that these can fuel false ideas you know, around what girls are good at, what boys are good at. And this can lead to arbitrary limits uh, being placed on children's behaviours and on their aspirations. So I think addressing these issues are, are just really crucial um, for addressing inequalities that we know play out in schools and in wider society. So, you know, we know that racist bullying, LGBT bullying are widespread in schools, as well as issues like sexual bullying and sexual harassment. So I think all of these points really speak to the importance um, of addressing some of these issues in the RSE curriculum and giving children those key skills and values and, and knowledge to, to develop um, healthy relationships. And I also just want to make a just final point um, in terms of, you know, what I think really great RSHE is about. And, and that is around empowering children and people, you know, giving them the tools to really question and critically analyse the inequalities that they experience, they see play out in school and in society, and really getting them to explore those things that they think can and should change to make society a better and a more equal place. Thanks, Sally. That's really insightful. Um, and it's just in case it's useful for colleagues, it's page 13 of the guidance that specifically kind of uh, references equality. And there you can uh, read about what the school's duties are with regard to the 2010 Equality Act. Um, and a, a quote from the guidance, actually, because I think it feeds into what you were saying, Sally, that schools should be alive to issues such as everyday sexism, misogyny, homophobia and gender stereotypes and take positive action to build a culture where these are not tolerated and any occurrences are identified and tackled. And it also goes on to mention that staff have an important role to play in modelling positive behaviours. So yeah, it definitely feeds into what you're saying there. Um, and Karen, thinking about race equality specifically, how does the new RSHE guidance help with this area? Yeah, so to build on what Sally was saying, what you've just said, Sam, I'll answer generally, and then I've got some specifically about contemporary situations. But generally, it's great that the guidance actually reminds us of the Equality Act 2010 and its three arms of the public sector equality duty. Um, and one of those being specifically about fostering good relations between people. So it's, you know, I, I, I really would like to remind schools that they need to be setting equality objectives according to the Equality Act. And that can be very easily done by focusing on relationships and sex and health education. Um, so it'd be great if people picked up the Equality Act and reminded themselves of their duties as educators and as education establishments to really pursue that. And I think if they do that, they'll be going a long way towards helping. But specifically, um, right now, we all know about the racism which has reared its head through the pandemic as a result of the narratives that followed Brexit all the way through the Brexit debates um, and because of what happened in the United States with George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement. And we know that there's been a lot more racism around. There's been a spike in race hate crime um, and in race bullying in schools. So very specifically at the moment, the guide, the um, RSHE guidance um, can be really helpful because teachers can then focus on how we look at those relationships between black and white children. Um, and I'm using black in a political sense, but I hope 
you know, listeners understand that what, what we mean is is everybody um, um, that is um, from originally from the global south. Um, so I think it's really important to have those debates um, with children and you will some people are a bit worried about having those debates because they think it might be too much for children but actually i think what i've found is that children are very aware and they're very good at picking up on that what's actually happening in the world and they've got views and opinions so it's really important to go to to go into it with them the other thing that i think is really important right now in terms of health education is to focus on on mental health and the physical health particularly of black young people and children, but of course all children, because of what's been happening during the pandemic. The chances are that particularly black children will have experienced a much higher level of illness in their family or deaths in their family. Um, And they will also be suffering perhaps from the mental trauma of seeing what's going on in terms of race around the globe, Um, seeing the events in America uh, has all re- led to what could be an assault on people's mental health for everybody. But I think it's really important for, for teachers to, t- to try and address that. So that's where I think teachers can really pick up the RSHE guidance and say, yeah, you know, there are some platforms here that we could really, we could really work with. Don't be afraid. Just go, go mm. for it and have those debates with children. Yeah, that's really interesting. I guess the, uh, the Equalities Act obviously predates this new guidance from the DfE, but and a, and a lot of colleagues will have already been teaching this content within their curriculums anyway, and it's important uh, to kind of recognise that. But I suppose a good thing about this guidance is that it gives a legal mandate now, doesn't it, to actually fit this content into the curriculum and to cover it in a sensitive way uh, and an age-appropriate way. Uh, and in terms of translating this into a classroom environment, Bethan, because uh, I guess we're keen to show how my work on the ground. Are there any tools that colleagues can use to ensure that they're teaching an RSHE curriculum that is inclusive uh, of these different lived experiences that their cohorts might have? Yeah, I think um, Sally and Karen have both made really key points already about um, the kind of range of experiences that need to be covered, but also that it can affect not just where we'd kind of traditionally expect to talk about the effect of um, different kind of inequalities that we experience, but that it affects across the board. So when we talk about inequalities, it's important to make sure that we consider the effect that does go across the board for RSHE so that it does affect health as well as relationships. So thinking about those kind of range of experiences and not making assumptions about exactly what the exact experience of a child in the classroom is, because we don't necessarily know every protective factor or every adverse experience that every child has had and the kind of layering um, that can occur in terms of our experiences and our perceptions of our experiences. What we need to ensure we're doing when we teach about these topics is we're making sure that it's about a scenario or a character, not about the child in the classroom. And the reason for that is because we don't know those experiences and we can't make assumptions. So making sure that when we talk about experiences, we're not talking about their own immediately. Because, again, we need to make sure that we're not re-traumatising in a classroom environment, in front of peers. So making sure that we're dealing with that sensitively. So case studies, scenarios, characters can be a really, really good way of doing that. So still talking about situations with nuance, still talking about situations 
um, where we can explore these topics, but doing so in a way that is safe for everyone in that classroom. It's distancing the learning, really, isn't it? We've spoken about it in other episodes. Uh, and I suppose particularly maybe if you're in a less urban environment, um, maybe there are fewer people in your cohort who are from an ethnic minority, then that's really important. Or else those pupils might feel singled out by the learning. Uh, I was just going to ask Beth, and sorry, if you had a specific example just to kind of illustrate how this teaching might take in, in a classroom, maybe from your own teaching experience. Yeah, so in terms of a specific example, we have packs that can help with this in the PSHE Association. So the inclusion and belonging packs are a really good example. They include case studies and characters that you can talk about. So, for example, if we're talking about communities and having considerations for our similarities and differences, which can be a really can create that kind of positive couching, especially for younger years where we're talking about those respectful relationships and we're talking about respectful relationships within communities. Those kinds of scenarios can be really, really helpful. That's great. Thanks. I'll make sure I link to the inclusion and belonging toolkits in the description as well. Um, And I think you touched on it earlier, Karen, but these are topics that have seen a lot of press and media coverage recently. Uh, I'm thinking in particular of Black Lives Matter and the Me Too movement. How can these global and national events impact on relationships in the classroom and also on RSHE teaching and learning? Yeah, I mean, it's... It, I mean, so much. I mean, I I felt pretty scared about what was happening in in America. So you can I can imagine what younger people might be feeling looking at that, and it kind of brings into sharp focus how quickly things can turn from something that seems like um, a well ordered society, democratic and fair, and working for equalities, into something which is really scary for all minorities. Um, and so I think that fear of in what's happening globally in other countries, but also here because of the fear of the pandemic, the fear of how many black people are are dying or suffering from from COVID-19 can really make it quite difficult for children. And that's how the impact can be felt by, by children, young people and teachers. So really important, I think, to deal with it in the classroom, but not necessarily always in that way that says, let's talk about Biden and Trump or or the insurrection. You can go in in, in a completely different way. Um, for example, you might want to pick up on some contemporary things like what Marcus Rashford is doing. And isn't it great that there's a black footballer speaking up? And what do you think about that? Oh, oh and by the way, have you seen the taking the knee video that Show Racing the Red Card have done? Um, there are things that will work better for different age groups. Um, I've just been watching something about Harry and Meghan on being stripped of their royal duties and patronages. Um, And I think another way to go in is to talk about the royal family. You know, you can you can see the sort of relationships that are there in the royal family and what's happening and whether there's racism, in fact, or misogyny that happens. There's lots of ways in. I think the Me Too campaign as well. I'm sure Sally can add to this has been a great way of of getting things out into the open. And because young people, um, not always, but use social media in, in a much better ways and more more ways than, than I do, that can be another way in to talk about what they actually see on, on media, what hashtags they're actually monitoring. Um, so I think all of those things are important, but dealing with it in the classroom, you need to... Re- connect with where young people are, where, what their agendas are, what they're looking at, what they're reading, what, what they're hearing from their friends, 
And the way that we talk about things can be completely different. So I think it's just important to be mindful of that. I think because Karen's actually brought it to light really, really well that actually our young people interact with news in a much different way than many of us do as adults. Um, and sometimes when as adults we're not being aware of something until it kind of crops up as a, as a major news story, sometimes our young people are actually already well aware of the, what's been bubbling underneath the surface through social media. And as a teacher, it can feel like there's a need to have this big knee-jerk reaction immediately to a major news story. And again, it's just that kind of exercising caution in terms of making sure that you're using that critical thought about what enters the classroom and when. When something's a current news story, we don't necessarily know how it's directly or indirectly affecting every pupil in our classrooms. So just to use those kind of professional judgments and that kind of trauma-informed and care-based approach to our young people. Mm. Uh, and we, we spoke a bit about distancing, um, but are there any other techniques or, or methods that colleagues can use or things that they can do to help them teach issues like inequality and discrimination sensitively? Um, yeah, I, I think that pupil voice is really critical in terms of trying to capture, um, you know, what is affecting children and young people, you know, what questions they have, what they want to learn more about. Um, and uh, we in the NEU, we've worked particularly with a resource called Agenda, um, and that's using pupil voice in RSE to really explore creatively with children and young people what matters to them. Um, and I think that can be a, a kind of safe way to explore some of the, the issues that, that children and young people, are, you know, may be kind of um, be struggling with, you know, thinking back to what Karen says, you know, around Black Lives Matter, around Me Too, they can, you know, have, um, you know, very, you know, multiple impacts on children and young people's lives. It can be traumatic, um, but actually using creative methods, using distancing techniques, you can get children and young people to explore those issues in a safe way. Um, and also as well, um, you know, get them to, to, to express, to, to use their voice about what they would like to change. I was just thinking, Sally, of, um, you know, when um, the Edward Ed Colston statue was pulled down in Bristol, there was about 70 other places in the UK where they either took down something or renamed it. And a really creative way of involving children in that would be to say, well, how is there anything you can think of that you'd like to rename, whether it's got anything to do with race or not, but just getting them to think about what might be better names for their school or for their classroom or that for the, you know, just think because they need some way of engaging with what's happening out there and why and why is that happening um so it'd be really nice to get them to to kind of get involved in using their voice um as long as as long as the educational establishment does something with it and doesn't completely ignore it <laughs> so mm. it you know it's got to be real i think that if you ask children to rename something what chance have they got that it's actually going to happen um so that that would be that would be good good as well yeah it strikes me karen that that would be kind of a good way of broaching uh, some of these issues with primary school children, perhaps. Yes, I think stage primary, key yeah. stage two, and it's you could get them to think about the connotations of the names that they've chosen and why that might matter, you know, for a particular place or object or whatever it might be. All sorts of things you could do with that that would go to identity uh, and belonging as well. Yeah. Um, so just kind of off the point where we've talked about student voice, we talked about how important it is to get that. 
into our curriculums and have that there. It's partially to engage, of course, but also because we need to make sure that when we're considering equalities, we're considering that we're addressing them through our curriculum, but we're also making sure that our curriculum is accessible, that it is including everyone. And student voice, using a survey, using a lesson that guides them to reflect on whether the curriculum meets their needs, that is hugely important in terms of making sure that everyone is able to access the curriculum as well and that they're not being left behind. They're not seeing, um, if they're not seeing themselves reflected or that their experiences are being reflected in there in a way that they want them to be, that they can be in there as well. Um, but in terms of that as well, just making sure that everyone within your school environment is able to access the curriculum, whether that means in terms of, when we talk about quality, also making sure that we're including based on disability and educational needs, so also working with key people to help with that as well, such as your SENCOs. Of course, we've already mentioned not making assumptions about the experiences of our young people, but also encouraging them not to make assumptions about each other's experiences and how important that is to make sure that the learning environment is safe so you can have these really critical and really important conversations. Um, so making sure that ground rules are set and that the teachers delivering the lessons understand how to create safe learning environments and talk about sensitive issues really effectively. Um, and we've guidance that we can signpost to that as well. Brilliant. That's great. And uh, again, on, on page 13 of the uh, RSHE guidance, I know the DfE mentioned SEND. Uh, I think they refer to the SEND code of practice. That definitely gets a mention. Um, and are there any barriers, do you think, that teachers face when they're teaching about equality in RSHE? Yes. <laughs> I mean, you want to go first. <laughs> yeah, we, we haven't we haven't been well pleased with um, the non statutory guidance that's just come out, which well, not just come out last October, but it it seemed to imply that teachers shouldn't be teaching about anything that that could possibly mention um, capitalism or the overthrow of capitalism, um, couldn't possibly be mentioning anything extreme um, and couldn't be teaching about that um, and, and not promoting a victim narrative. And I think that's really, really strange, you know, because it's the government that promotes a victim narrative. Um, but it's it, it potentially really dangerous to stop the kind of discussions around those things. Um, because I think as John McDonnell said it, from the Labour Party, it might stop teaching about the whole history of the trade union movement and the labour movement, you know, because what we need is is teachers to talk more about those things, but not in a way that's just didactic or dogmatic, but engaging critically with those debates, what's happening with Extinction Rebellion, why was Black Lives Matter so important? Why is it important that we have more than one month of black history? Um, and take it in a direction which is about engaging with the stuff that's out there right now, because those debates are going to go on and on and on. Um, and then, you know, it's so interesting, isn't it, how language really develops and the concepts really develop um, to reflect what's going on at, at the moment. And you can't bury your head in the sand and want to go back to a time when nobody was talking about anything black or LGBT plus or you, you can't do that. You've got to engage with with what's there. Uh, Extinction Rebellion, whether you agree or not, are really, as they want to do, making waves, so to speak. Um, and Black Lives Matter are making waves all for the good, in my opinion, because it makes people talk about it. And talking about it is what we need to do. Where, where do we engage? What's our role? If at all, do we want to oppose? Do we want to support? What's what's our role in that? 
anyway, I could go on, but I'll I'll stop there. It's just really important to me that we, you know, we engage. And but I, but the 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 non statutory guidance seems to curtail that. And we've had examples of teachers coming to us and say, "My head is telling me I can't teach this anymore," and that's just wrong. It's not what the guidance should be about, um, mm. in our opinion. So. I- I think some of the barriers that that teachers can face when addressing issues of equality and diversity within RSE or RSHE or or in any aspect of the curriculum can be feeling uh, not very confident, feeling nervous, um, you know, that they don't know enough about a particular topic, for instance. Um, And particularly when we're thinking about RSHE, um, the guidance, you know, talks about, you know, making sure that's LGBT inclusive, making sure that's SE and D inclusive. And, and, and that those are big questions. How do we do that? Well, how do we do that effectively? So I think what we would want to say is, is we want all teachers to, to have access to high quality training. Um, you know, we want them to feel confident and equipped to, to teach RSHE well, but not only through professional development opportunities. We want them to be able to have that supportive staff network around them, whether that's in the school or whether that's beyond, you know, reaching out to other RSHE or PSHE practitioners to be able to share good practice. And I think the other thing that when thinking about that issue of barriers is particularly when it comes to issues of of equality um, and social justice is is that teaching about these things can be emotionally demanding. Um, And particularly if a a teacher has had direct experience of some of the issues that they're talking about, you know, say sexual harassment, racism, homophobia, whatever that may be, you know, that can be, you know, could be quite difficult, could be quite triggering for them. So I think what we'd want to say is that, you know, before, you know, anyone really begins teaching RSHE, making sure that you know, your, you know, what your support networks look like, who you can go for advice, who can go for that extra bit of emotional support, because I think that's that's really, really important, particularly when we're, we're talking about these issues. Yeah, Sally, I mean, I, I totally agree with you that there's it's really important, I think, that teachers or schools picking up this um, the whole school approach um, work as a group and have discussions that can act as a support to each other um, and where you're going to take forward any issues of inequality or equality you need to be organizing in order to to do that as a group of people because we have had examples of where people have been singled out um, and victimized for speaking up about equalities so that's important that we work together and I, I guess I just wanted to um, signpost people to our anti-racist framework, which is on our website at the NEU, because it does take a whole school approach. It's, it's what we would probably phrase a, a head, heart, hands approach so that it's talking about um, leadership, teaching and learning, voice and power, well-being. Um, and it's also talking about community. Um, so that's a good model, which can be translated across all areas of equalities. But it, it's just really important to see the whole person, whole child, whole pupil, to see them in a way and the, in a way that attends to their health needs as well as um, their sort of curriculum needs, if you like. Um, so that's just a, a little plug right at the end for our anti-racist framework, but also lots of other materials on our website around sexism, LGBT plus guidance, et cetera, that I, I, I hope that people find useful. That's great. And uh, I'll link that in the description so people can find it as well. And you, you made the point, Karen, about uh, 
Black History Month. And I think it's, it's important to expand upon maybe because, you know, if teachers are really teaching this stuff properly, then it's not just one month in a year. It's embedded fully into their curriculum. Uh, but then where does something like Black History Month fit in, Beth? And how do you kind of still use it instrumentally to, to build awareness of these issues in the classroom? I mean, in terms of calendared occasions like like that, it's kind of, I guess, coming back to your whole school approach in general. So those are opportunities in which you can have that that time, that time of kind of celebration of black history um, and acknowledgement. Like, you know, if as you said earlier, if you're in a school where actually you've got a very small kind of range of diversity, it can sometimes be a case that teachers think, well, this isn't a problem for our community, so we'll kind of skim over it. And we've got to ask the question, what does that mean for our young people when they leave that school then? And they um, don't necessarily stay in the same community. So within that situation, it's an opportunity for the whole school approach to really work alongside RSHE so that they complement each other so that children can see that what's being taught in the classroom is echoed and modelled throughout the rest of their school. Yeah, it's, I suppose, the key point. But one of the key points is that it's it's being used to supplement, um, isn't it? Kind of existing teaching that's that's already there. Yeah, I think I think kind of working alongside rather than supplementing, because yeah. what we want to make sure is that the kind of parameters that the school works within, the kind of policies that they have that allow for equality across the school as much as possible. We know it's a big problem, but that every effort to be made across the school so that that's being modelled for the children, for their behaviours as well. That was RSHU Ready. I hope you enjoyed that episode. A big thanks to Sally and Karen from the National Education Union and also to Beth and Miller from the PSHE Association. Uh, a bit more info on the NEU. Uh, the National Education Union are the largest education union in Europe supporting and representing more than 450,000 members, including the majority of teachers. Uh, They provide a wide range of CPD, publications and other resources to help you develop your skills and guide your students, as well as offering support and advice from a combined team of local reps, officials and legal experts whenever you face a problem at work. You can find out more and join the NEU by visiting neu.org.uk. We touched briefly on LGBT inclusion and inclusive RSE for pupils with SEND in this episode, but for more detail on these areas, do check out our previous episodes on defining RSE and planning and teaching RSHE in SEND settings if you haven't done so already. Join us next week for the final episode of RSHE Ready on choosing age-appropriate resources with Jenny Barksfield from the PSHE Association and Lucy Emerson from the Sex Education Forum. Take care for now.